the game is over, the New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Can't wait! You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. What's up, everybody? Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, back in studio for the official Jets podcast this week, breaking down Jets Vikings with Mike Wabashaw. Wabi, he's a legend, man. He is. He, he, uh, he, he is a Minnesota legend. <laughs> you know, or an icon. Listen, you cover a team for a long time. People start associating you as... He should be with the Minnesota Vikings. And you too with the New York you, Jets. You can't imagine going to Vikings.com without seeing Wabi. So uh, <laughs> EA and I spoke to Wabi about a lot of different things. Obviously, we spoke about Kirk Cousins. We spoke about Sheldon Richardson making his MetLife return this Sunday. We talked about the Minnesota defense that has been underperforming Well, they were for a little while. And now they're, they're back on track. Can we better. start this program off with an apology? My mother said I was being... Too hard on you last week when on the pod when Ethan Greenberg stated this is the Jets' most important game <laughs> of the season, and she said you went a little hard at Greens. Oh, that's I sa- okay. I said, Mom, he went to Newhouse over at Syracuse. Yeah. He's been doing this for a few years now. I he can, can take handle the heat. it. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate but I, it. But I publicly but, apologize because well, I that, guess that, I was coming too look... hard at my colleague over here, the Greens. What? What? I don't think he was too hard. <laughs> Two. Now you're making me seem like a softie. <laughs> so hey. so the, the, the public apology is backfiring on me. Okay. But I appreciate. I appreciate this. Well, well, so my follow up to both you and my mother, who we will have on in the podcast at some point, okay. is if last week was the biggest game of the year for the Jets, yeah. what is this week, Greens? A game. <laughs> oh, 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 really? Yeah. That's interesting because I think last game against the Colts, a banged-up Colts team, was a game the Jets should have won, and they did. Now this is where they're going to another level. They are stepping up in weight class because beating the Broncos was one thing, beating the Colts was one thing, This is a different deal, Greens. This is a team that won 13 games a year ago, and you look at the Vikings roster, they got dudes all over the place. Well, I I agree with you in that this is a different weight class. I think this weekend is a litmus test. Oh, a litmus test. Yeah, you like that? Yes. But the, the reason, going back to what I said last week and bringing it back to this week, is something that Coach Bowles said after the game is, this was a game that last year, speaking about the Colts game, the Jets winning that game was a game last year that the Jets probably would have lost. So when I said it was the biggest game, I meant I meant it in a way where you could really see the character and the resiliency of this team, and I think that it shined. And now going up in weight class, to use your analogy, I think that this is a different kind of test. Now, it's fascinating to me, though, when you look back at 2017, which we don't live in the past, but... Sometimes we're reminded of it. The Jets, after six games last year, you know what their record was? Was it three and three? It was three and three. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. There, there it is. That, they were three and three. And um, over the weekend, Terrence Crawford went up in weight class in boxing, and he took down Jose 
Benavides, okay? Why I bring the crawdaddy up here is that what do the I'm very interested to see where you're going with that. My analogy is what do the Jets have? Do they have that knockout power as they're going to be facing one of the teams that a lot of people think are still amongst the elites? I, I think it goes back to... Greens, the, is Minnesota in the playoffs this year? I would say we've seen a couple teams in the NFC North so far. I would say Minnesota got the best uh, talent on the roster of all the teams in the NFC North. Yes? I, I agree with okay. that. I agree with that. I, I think that what you're saying goes hand-in-hand hand with what I'm saying is do the Jets have the power, the firepower to, to one, go toe-to-toe with a team like the Vikings that have dudes yeah. all over their roster. And then, to use my analogy, it's it's kind of a litmus test to see if the what the Jets will do and what they can can do against this Vikings team. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for Sunday. The Jets have more dudes than last year. I will say that. So not all three and threes are the same. The Jets have more players this year than they did in 2017. The other thing that you look from early trends, yes, they scuffled there in that three-game losing streak. But you look at these numbers. You got to go back a while to see the last Jets team over the first six games who had two 40-point efforts and a 34-point performance as well. You got to go back far. The offense, yes, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm very excited to see what this defense does because if Tremaine Johnson is down and Buster's down again, it's going to make for an interesting day. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are two, uh, I think they're probably the best wide receiver duo. I think, right now. Would, I think it's bar none. It would, you would be hard to argue against that, even though this Tyreek Hill guy is out of this world. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, che- Cheetah's a freak, but... Uh, I mean, but I, 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 if I, you're I'm the offensive taking... coordinator in Kansas City, it's like, dial it up, run down the field, we'll hit you, because you're 4-2 and everybody else is 4-something. Uh, yeah, you're 4-2, Mahomes can throw, can throw a mile and a half. So just run down the sideline. And, I mean, the Sunday night's game was crazy. There are, we can talk about it later. You but. are right. They are a great uh, wide receiver pair. And uh, we will talk to Wabi about Kirk Cousins. And we will discuss Sam Darnold. But Cousins, you know, when you look at the splits, when you look at his stats game by game, He's off to a fantastic start here. You have to give him a lot of credit because even though there is talent around him, he's made it look easy. The, the one stat that I will say before we head into this Wabi interview is Kirk Cousins, after week one, has completed over 70% of his passes, one of which was 80% in each game. Well, I, he, He's ridiculous. Over the past couple of years, he's top two, three in the NFL in completions. And completion percentage. All right, so on the other side, while you're throwing out the stats here, I want to ask you if Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. Is he one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? You think about that. I'll think about that, and I'll tell you the answer after this Wabi interview. So without further ado, here is the one and only Wabi. All right, EA, let's go out to Minnesota here and speak to Vikings.com's Wabi, no other than the Wabi himself. Thanks for coming on the official Jets podcast today. 
Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on the official Jets podcast. This is my this is my Jets podcast debut, so I'm uh, super excited. For all right, well, we're gonna make it a good one. We're, yeah, exactly. So, well, Wabi, let's well, just kick things off here. Is uh, before the season, a lot of experts had the Vikings as a potential Super Bowl contender, and I'd say through about six weeks, I think a lot of People around the league are, are kind of saying, oh, well, uh, what's up with this Vikings defense after last year? From your point of view, what's the biggest difference on the defensive side of the ball from last year to this year? Well, I think in the first four games, guys, it was big plays. Um, that was just something the Vikings did not surrender last season much at all. And, and a lot of times in games, it was like zero or one explosive games allowed. And then in the first month of the season, especially in that Rams game in week four, you know, we, we just gave up too many explosive plays and, and chunk yardage. And, um, and so I think that was sort of the biggest, you know, outside of just the end result of the games, I think that was the biggest difference was teams were able to explode on our defense. Now the good news is we calmed that down a little bit. We had a Thursday night game against the Rams. And then we had 10 days off before we went out to Philadelphia and played the Eagles. So, um, you know, I think, you know, we all kind of call that the mini-buy in the business. Yep. And I think I think there were some adjustments that were made, um, you know, during that time by Zimmer and the, and the defensive coaching staff. And we've, we've seen much, much uh, better play from the defense in these last two games. Uh, both victories against the Eagles and the Cardinals. And a big thing that has happened is we've seen a reduction in the number of explosive plays allowed. Um, I think that's sort of been the biggest um, internal talking point has been explosive plays, and that's going to be a point of emphasis going forward, especially playing a Jets team that's been exploding um, you know, on offense quite a bit lately. All right, Wabi. Green's elected to bury the lead in this scenario. I, I was serving <laughs> up on a platter for you, Ian. <laughs> so... What's the deal? Did the Vikings all along think they were going to get Kirk Cousins in free agency? And has he exceeded expectations so far? We haven't seen much of the Vikings, obviously, since we're covering the Jets. But you look at his statistics, it's like, wow, they jump off the page. 70% passer, 12 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Yeah, the guy's unbelievable. I mean, he's, (laughs) you know, he's the best quarterback that, that we've had here, you know, in a while. And like, if you look at how Case Keenum played last year, I mean, Case Keenum played outstanding. And he was able to improvise. He was able to deal with um, some pass protection problems. And he was able, Case Keenum was able to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. And he did a great job here. And he helped us go 13-3, and and we went to the NFC title game. You know, Kirk Cousins is also doing a great job. Uh, but he just does it in a little bit different way. Um, and what we've seen from Cousins is a quarterback who can do anything you ask him to do. He can drop back seven steps and throw the ball down the field. He can use the quick game. There are some zone read concepts you can use with him. He can bootleg. He can change protections and change the play at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's he's worth every penny the Vikings have paid him so far. And uh, he's off to the best or second best start in team history, depending on how you look at it. Dante Culpepper had a really fast start in 2004, um, and Kirk Cousins is having a, a comparable start to Dante Culpepper, and is doing some things we've never seen Vikings quarterbacks do. So, um, you know, I think the marriage between John DeFilippo and Kirk Cousins has been really good um, so far here um, through six weeks, 
and our offense has been explosive, especially through the air. Of course, Adam Thielen has been on fire. No one can stop him. We hope that continues. But, yeah, Kirk Cousins has been everything people expected and more through the first six weeks, and hopefully he can keep it going. Prior to him signing in Minnesota, were Vikings fans worried about the Jets, or did they feel pretty solid that they were going to get their man? Oh, that's a good question. Thinking back to when that was happening, um, you know, I, I think there was some um, some uncertainty. You know, I mean, Kirk Cousins was the best quarterback on the market, and, you know, he there were a lot of teams that were interested in him. And, you know, the interesting twist to that whole story for the Vikings was, if you'll remember, the Vikings had three pretty good quarterbacks <laughs> to consider. I mean, you know, they had Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, and Case Keenum coming off their own roster. So they had to they had to navigate those waters and see what the possibilities were with those guys in addition to deciding whether or not they wanted Cousins and then deciding how they were going to pursue Cousins. So it was really um, an interesting offseason um, just looking at the quarterback position here. And I know you guys had Teddy Bridgewater for a little while, so you can see um, you know why the Vikings were um, were so enamored with Teddy for as long as they were. You guys saw it firsthand. So yeah. um, it was a really interesting off season. I think it shook out really well for the Vikings um, with the way Sam Darnold is playing. I think you can argue it shook out really well for the Jets. So, um, but you know, uh, Cousins' three-year deal and whatever the money was, and and I think the hope, you know, at least for the Vikings, is that. That's just the first deal they do with Kirk Cousins because what he's done so far has been uh, has been above and beyond what anyone could have expected. Listen, I think it's the best case scenario for both sides, and the Jets went into free agency and then the draft with plans A, B, C, and D. Let's just play hypotheticals here. Looking back, if the Vikings don't get Kirk Cousins, what was their plan B? Um. I guess without talking to Zim and Rick and, uh, you know, being in their meeting room, it's, it's hard to say. I would have to imagine, you know, one of the one of the three quarterbacks who was coming off the roster right. maybe was a plan B. Um, I have to imagine there was, um, you know, there was a decision made to go after Cousins and to just do whatever it took to get him. Yeah. And I think probably once they made that decision, um, there, there probably was no looking back. Uh, what plan B was, I, I don't know. But, I mean, the Vikings had some pretty good options to consider, um, you know, including keeping Case Keenum, um, who who is um, obviously a guy who can win at a high level. He did it for the Vikings last year. So, um, you know, I, 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 I'm glad we didn't have to see what plan B was because I think Kirk Cousins was plan A, and it's always good to see your team achieve what its objective is. Wavi, through six weeks of the NFL season here, I know – You've said on on the pod that Kirk Cousins has gone above and beyond expectations. Well, what's the most impressive thing about Kirk Cousins' performance this year through your eyes? Well, you know, I think if you look at, at what has happened with the Vikings' offensive line from a loss standpoint, I mean, all offseason it was, how can the Vikings add and improve the offensive line, add to and improve the offensive line? And, and they did some things. They drafted a tackle in the second round. Um, they added a, um, a solid piece in free agency in Tom Compton. Last year they drafted a center in the third round, and they signed two offensive tackles, Riley Reef and Mike Remmers. So there's been a lot of addition to this offensive line to try and make it better. But if you look at what happened in August to this team um, and late July, the passing of Tony Sperano, and you 
lose Nick Easton to an injury. Uh, right now they're dealing with Riley Reef and an injury to him. Uh, Pat Elfline did not make it back until the regular season started. So I think the, the fact that Kirk Cousins is able to move this offense up and down the field the way he's been able to do it with an offensive line that is still being put together, you know, I think is really impressive. And, um, you know, he's been able to do it on schedule in the pocket. He's been able to do it off schedule outside of the pocket. He's done it against the Blitz. He's done it, um, you know, with only three rushers in his face and teams dropping eight. He's been able to do it every which way. So that, that's been the most impressive thing to me is is to be able to do it with an offensive line that is still being put together. And uh, He's delivering great pregame speeches that I'm sure are helping your numbers there at <laughs> Vikings.com. Now, I don't know about his touchdown celebration, so let's get off Cousins just for a second and talk about the guys he is throwing to. Our Adam Thielen who's got six consecutive 100-yard games, which is just absolutely staggering, and Stephon yep. Diggs, the top wide receiver pair in the National Football League. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch, um, you know, these two receivers, all of their careers really, but this season, um, you know, they're they're performing at, at the best level they've performed at individually and as a tandem. So, you know, it's um, – I, I, don't, I don't think it really matters – um, you know, zone coverage, man coverage, whatever. I, I, you know, I think they've found a way to have an answer for all of that. And, and look, I mean, you're going to cut. You're, you're playing good defenses every single week, and there are wins and losses within every game. Um, so, you know, Kirk Cousins is not throwing a perfect game here to Diggs and Thielen, but more times than not, they're finding ways to beat coverage and win. And um, you know, I'm sure that if you look back at our game against the Arizona Cardinals, Stephon Diggs did not. Um, have the production that maybe we're used to seeing. But he also went up against Patrick Peterson. The good news is most teams don't have more than one Patrick Peterson type of corner. They've got one of those, and we've got two receivers, um, Diggs and Thielen, who who can match up well with anyone. So it's been a luxury for the Vikings to have both of those guys and uh, some games they're both going at a um, at a high level. Some games one of them is getting theirs, while the other one is uh, is taking up a bunch of coverage. So, um, you know, it's it's been um, it's been fun to watch. And Thielen is just you know he's Mr. Reliable and Mr. Consistent. Now, the one thing that both of these guys um, do really well that does not always get talked about is their route running. I mean, their 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 route running is uh, really really good, and I, and I think that's going to serve them well. Um, later in their career, and I think it's gonna, you know it serves them well later in the season when guys get banged up and maybe they lose a step. Um, you know they're still able to create separation because of their route running, and that that's one thing maybe you know for Jets fans or for you guys to watch. You know what what makes these guys so good? How are they able to produce? Just pay attention to their route running. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. Looking at this Jets Vikings matchup, Wavi is what's a matchup that you think that Jets fans should think that's a favorable matchup, or if you're a Vikings fan, say, okay, I'm a little concerned about that? Well, um, you're talking about on either side of the ball? Yeah, either side of the ball. You know, I was, I was watching um, I was watching you guys and, and the game against the Colts, and I just I saw a lot of attention paid to Leonard Williams. You know, and I, I think you guys have probably really enjoyed watching him play. Um, so I think he's a concern really for any team um, when, when you're going up against the Jets is, um, is watching that guy play. I think Darren Lee's um, sideline-to-sideline speed is really impressive. Um, so I think you know, those maybe are, are two matchups 
to watch for Jets fans to see, hey, how are the Vikings going to handle this? Um, you know, because these two guys can create some problems. Now, Pat Elfline, our center who's back in the lineup, has made a really big difference for the Vikings. So I think that's going to help us handle a guy like Leonard Williams. Um, but I, I would really watch number 92 for your defense, see how the Vikings handle him. And then, uh, like I said, I think Darren Lee is really, really good and really fast, too. I think offensively, you know, um, I thought, you know, the numbers for Darnold are, they can be gaudy. Um, they, they look really good. But what's interesting to me is um, it's not that it's not sophisticated. I think the offensive design has sophistication to it. But I think Darnold is doing such a good job of executing and it's not um it's not rocket science they're using a little bit of that rpo or play action reading a linebacker and a safety and 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 finding ways to create big windows for darnold and darnold is is throwing the ball um accurately and on time so i'm looking at some of these um slant and uh and flat concepts that darnold and and the offensive staff are using to to create um you know wide open receivers i really um, enjoyed watching that against the Colts. So I think the Vikings, you know, they feel good about the improvements they've made on defense the last couple of weeks, but I think that's really here this week against the Jets because I think the Jets can challenge you in a lot of different ways. Wavi, are you encouraged by what you saw from the run game last week? I think about 195 yards against the Cardinals. Latavius Murray went off for 155. And where... Oh, where is Delvin Cook? Is it a possibility that he could be on the field come Sunday? Because I think for the Vikings to take that next step down the line in January, is they got to have that balance offensively. Yeah, I, I, um, I do feel good about the running game. Now, um, you know, it was 195 yards for the team, which was, um, which was a good number, and Latavius was 155, which was a career high. Now, it was the Arizona Cardinals who came into the game having surrendered the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL, mm. and I think they were the third-worst rushing defense in the NFL. So you should be able to run it against those guys. I think the Jets' uh, run defense is better. So this will be a stiffer test for the Vikings' running game. With all that being said, what I like the most about the rushing performance was the ability to explode. Um, it wasn't just a volume day. For, uh, for the running game. The Vikings were able to do it with explosion. The touchdown run for Murray was 21 yards. Um, I think he also had a 28-yarder and a 31 or 34-yarder. So we were able to, to explode and move the ball down the field in chunks, and, and, it, and it wasn't always the passing game that was doing it. And I think that's, you know, that alleviates a lot of pressure from the pass protection um, and, and from the passing game in general when you can explode on the ground. So more than just 25 carries for 200 yards, what I'm looking for is every now and then a 12-yard run and then an 18-yard run and then a 34-yard run. And if you end up with 120 instead of 195, but you had four or five explosives in there, I think that's just as good. Last one for me, that secondary, you talk about giving up big plays and shoring that up in a defensive backfield, and they play better of late. The loss of Mike Hughes, how does that impact them and do you see this defensive backfield just getting better and better as the weeks progress? Yeah, the, the secondary has gotten better and better as the weeks have gone on, and especially the last two weeks. Um, with the, with you know, the, the injury to Mike Hughes, the reason that stinks, guys, is because, and maybe you, you've, you guys have gone through this um, this season or a different season with a rookie, but 
when you have a really good defense, which the Vikings have, and it's full of guys who have, who have been on the team for a long time, and when you look at Linval and uh, Daniil Hunter, Kendricks, Barr, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wentz, these guys have played together for a long time. So the structure is really sound. Yeah. When you have a rookie and you are able to play him within that structure, it is an ideal learning environment because you are more able to tolerate and survive mistakes that that rookie is going to make because he's so well insulated by good and experienced players around him. So it was a perfect learning environment for Mike Hughes. And learning environment is important for a corner. It's a really hard position to play, and you're going to make mistakes. But Mike Hughes was, you know, he, he had his back covered by a lot of really good players. So that's the part that really stinks about this is you're taking a rookie corner out of what was a really good situation for him to learn. Um, now, uh, how do you handle this going forward? The good news is Mike Hughes wasn't handling anything on his own. He was splitting time with Mackenzie Alexander at the nickel corner spot. And then those two were also splitting time with our third safety, J. Ron Curse, who we use as a big nickel from time to time. So I think you're going to see Mackenzie Alexander and J. Ron Curse continue to split those nickel reps. Where I think the depth would really get tested is now if something happens to Rhodes, Trey Waynes, or Mackenzie Alexander, now it's undrafted rookie Holton Hill or veteran Marcus Sherrills who would have to step in. That's where I think the Mike Hughes injury could really hurt. When it comes to the starters and the the guys who play most of the downs, because of our depth right now at corner, I think we're going to be able to survive the Hughes injury. But we will really miss Mike Hughes, and, uh, and, and that development that would have occurred on the field for him is just going to be delayed by about three-quarters of a season. All right, Greens, I lied, and Wabi, I lied. Sheldon Richardson, he's coming back to MetLife Stadium. Uh, what have you thought of Sheldon so far early on here with the Vikings after coming over from Seattle, signing in the offseason? And knowing Sheldon like we do, i got to imagine he is really itching to get out there on the field. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. You know, I, he's been... Um, you know, we've we've only had him here for a little bit, right? I mean, it's been a half a year, um, but so far he's been a treat to have around. And I think I think he's funny. I think he's really bought into the team concept here with Coach Zimmer and this defense. And you know, look, I mean, Sheldon's been around the block. He he knows when he comes into a new atmosphere. I'm sure he experienced this in Seattle, and he um, uh, he's experiencing it here in Minnesota. I mean, he's stepping into a locker room with a, a core group of guys that have been together for a long time, yeah. won 13 games last year, and have super high expectations. Sheldon has stepped in here, and he's been all about his business the whole time. I've been impressed with him, and uh, I think he's only going to get better the more games he plays in this system. That is Wabi of Vikings.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Wabi, W-O-B-B-Y. Wabi, thanks so much for coming on your debut here on the official Jets pod. Thanks, brother. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. That was Wabi. Great having him on for his debut on the official Jets pod. So EA asked me before the interview is, is Kirk Cousins elite? And are we just talking about this season, or are we talking about career-wise? He's had an elite start to this year, but I'm talking totality. Okay. Then I'd probably say no. I pro- I say top ten. Okay. But I don't I don't say top five, especially because you you got to consider before anyone you got to consider the oldies but goodies, Tom Brady, Phil Rivers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. That's four right there, 
And then oh, well, Ben over the course of his career. Right now, I'd take Cousins over Roethlisberger I, if I, we're I playing agree. tomorrow. But but I agree with that. That's why I asked the question. Okay. So I, I put Cousins top ten. Okay. I don't put him top five. Okay. Well, what, what and, and did you want the Jets to sign him in the off season because they went in the off season with various plans and the first part of that off season plan was they made a run after Cousins. Of course, he signed with Minnesota. Well, it, you know, it, this is this is the great debate and. What is this, Chris Cuomo, CNN? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think twenty twenty hindsight, you'd lean no. Even after a start. Even after a start, I would say twenty twenty, you'd probably say no, but mostly because your your quarterback. Is, uh, th- this is a more macro level. What I'm about to say is, you get a young quarterback, twenty one years old, you mold him into your system, however you want to do it. You still have the most cap space in the league heading into 2019. You now have something to build around, and then not to mention, a, a recipe for success of recent has been you try to make a push with your rookie quarterback before you have to pay him, assuming he pays. For some he pans teams, out. yeah, but that, for some like teams, New England's but, an exception or Indianapolis. That, that's interesting. And we discussed this last night with Eric Coleman on Inside the Jets. He made a good point. is that Indianapolis has put a lot of resources behind Andrew Locke. When you put that many, that amount of resources behind one player, it's going to impact you down the line, other spots. I, I agree with that. And then just on the other side of the coin here is in March, if I told you, okay, the Jets signed Kirk Cousins yep. and then have the number six overall pick, or number three, that, then you're thinking you could get a a premier position like a Bradley Chubb. If the Jets drafted three, they would have had options of Bradley Chubb, well, Denzel Ward, Quentin Nelson. Who like it's your pick of the litter at that point? Right. But you probably don't make the move up to go to three. So at six, you're probably going best player available. Well, yeah, you're definitely getting two starters, and you would definitely think that they're two elite players. Correct. Because. Or close to elite in, in Cousins, who's a very and, very good quarterback. And then not to mention, by the way, you have two second-round picks still. True. So so you, your supporting cast might have looked a little different, but I think 2020 hindsight, you would do what the Jets did, trade up from 6-3, to three, draft Darnold, whatever. And, uh, and the rest is history. I think, and this is not running away from any side, but Wabi said it right. And I think that's what you're articulating as well, is that there are times, just like what we saw with the Colts last week, there are times when moves can work out for both teams. And players, and this might have worked out best for Cousins, and this might have definitely worked out the best for the Jets, because Sam Darnold, to me, has an unbelievable upside and I'm not saying he's to the level of anybody right now. I don't even think that's fair to say that about him six games into his NFL career. But what we've witnessed is he's getting better each and every week. He's seeing things cleaner. He's recognizing and using his feet better. He is holding himself in that pocket and not escaping the pocket, which a lot of these young quarterbacks are doing nowadays because you get a little antsy back there. He's getting better every week. And Jeremy Bates, you got to credit him a lot, and uh, Mick Lombardi, and on and on and on. But I really like what the Jets have set up for themselves, not only 2018, but beyond. I, I agree with that, and I think that's also where you ha- kind of have to 
value Sam Darnold is what the Jets then do with the money that they did not spend in free agency this year right. moving forward. I, I think it's part of a, what I said before, it's part of a larger plan here. And it's on the macro level. And I, I'm, I know it's week six of the regular season and there's a long way to go. And like you said before, we don't live in the past. We don't live ahead. We live kind of in the moment during the season. Sure. But I think if you're a Jets fan, if you take a second to think about the offseason, it's going to be uh, an exciting one again. Well, you have financial flexibility. And that doesn't mean you go in and you spend crazy. You don't. You pick your spots. But it gives you the ability to, to add pieces along the way. And, again, Mike McKagan had a fantastic offseason. I don't know how you can't look at the Jets after six games and say McKagan did not have a fantastic offseason. You got Tremaine Johnson, who has played well when he's been in the lineup. Unfortunately, he's missed the last couple games, and you mentioned it before. He's still got that quad injury. We'll have to monitor his status throughout the week. Avery Williamson has been fantastic. He's been very good. Sure, he got beaten a couple times in coverage against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but again, he was in another takeaway last week. Uh, the offensive side of the ball, I was talking to Brian Winters about this last night or on Inside the Jets, and Winters said he's so smart. Spencer Long, the guy he's lining up next to each and every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, he's so smart and he brings a lot to the table. Isaiah Crowell is one of the league leaders in rushing. You got Terrell Pryor, who has touchdowns in consecutive weeks now. And then the list can go on and on. We talk about the draft picks. We, first, you start with Darnold. Chris Herndon getting in the end zone last week. You got Perry Nickerson playing a big amount right now with Buster Screen still in concussion protocol. I know I'm missing guys, but, you know, Henry Anderson for the seventh-round pick. We can go on and on. McKagan, I don't care if you're a fan of the Jets, the fan of the Jets, which most people are who are listening right now, or you're just a follower of the National Football League, McKagan and company had a really impressive offseason. I echo those sentiments, and we move on on the official Jets podcast. Is right, real quick before we wrap up for uh, oh yeah, the Shepherds starting every week for this team since day since day one. Right, Nathan Shepherd out of four day state. So third uh, round. Uh, are you sure? Anyone else you, you want to throw out there? Well, Leggett had a touchdown against <laughs> Jacksonville. I mean, <laughs> okay, well we'll go on and on here, but in uh, in other news, in Greens's weekly Syracuse spot, Syracuse basketball, yeah, they got they got their guy Joe Girard the third, New York's all time leading scorer. New York City's? No, New York State's all time leading scorer. Going staying home, Glens Falls, New York, going to the Qs. Have we even had Midnight Madness yet? Yeah, Are teams even allowed to practice yet? And you're throwing me Syracuse. Yeah, I'm so, I got excited. I got excited. Syracuse football had a bye. Syracuse basketball stepped up with the win. Who do they have this week? Syracuse, Syracuse football, football, UNC. At the dome. You guys get back to your winning ways. Yeah, Dino's so. going to claim victory. I hope so. And everybody's. Did you know that Dino? Bayers, Dino's going to take everybody to dinosaur barbecue after that. I have to bring this, have to bring this up to. That. Uh, ooh, that'd be nice. I have to bring this up for to Carl Durrell, but. Dino Babers was the associate head coach at UCLA, and he worked under Carl Durrell. He was head coach there. Oh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, Speaking of UCLA, Chip Kelly finally got his first win yeah, in, there in it college. Is. Uh, uh, well, back in college uh, as the Bruins took down California. Get, upsets last weekend, uh -oh. so there could be a few upsets l on the horizon this week in college. Just keep an eye on that. Oh, I, I wanted to bring up the other orange and blue here. Is your Gators almost... 
They almost let it slip away. It doesn't matter. Did they win? Did uh, they win? I'm, I'm not saying they didn't. I'm saying it was it was a little close for comfort. We've got no? two weeks to prepare for Georgia. You talk to Georgia, I'm sure they'd take an ugly win right now. Yeah, After I'm getting sure steamrolled by LSU. What's up, Jamal? Okay, well, well, one more thing on the blue and orange here. Okay. The Knicks open up this week Wednesday night against the Hawks. Do you oh. think Kevin Knox is the real deal? Uh, I heard he's not going to be in the starting lineup. I like Kevin you like Knox. like Fisdale? Yeah, and we should talk to Todd Bowles at some point about the Knicks because he's a Knicks guy. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to see what the Knicks do this year. Just, I mean, it, it's it's new coach syndrome. Like you, you get excited, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see Fisdale, the Knicks picked up. Yeah, Kevin uh, Knox is going to be a very good player. The I Knicks so. don't have a lot of pieces right now. They don't. That's for that. That's again for for next off season. But that's all we have here on the official Jets podcast. Again, Jets Vikings. Hold on, hold Sunday. On, hold oh, on. oh, 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 pump for the, the break. For, the, the, for break. the Jets to win this game, they're going to need a big time productive day from the defensive line. Cousins uh, talked to multiple people this week that discussed his low arm angle uh, delivering the football. So it's almost sidearm at times. The Cardinals batted seven passes down at the line of scrimmage last week. He went 24-34. So, also, when they lost, the last time they lost. Wait, they batted seven passes yeah, down? Yeah, look so, that up. So, so, wait, wait, so you're so saying. So, he basically went 24-27 without the, yes. The, the, wow. The, okay, yeah, that, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And when Buffalo went to town, and, and by the way, the Bills have a very good defense. Their offense, nah. But their defense is very good. You have to win up front against their offensive line. Otherwise, it's going to be tough to stop them. It just is. Those guys are that explosive. And Darnold and company just got to keep on doing what they're doing. I love the balance on offense. And eat the clock. The, the Jets, the Jets score. control the clock very well. Red Jets zone efficiency. Score. Check us out on practice today, 10-15, on all Jets platforms Friday morning. We'll discuss the red zone. All right. That's all we have here on the official Jets podcast. Again, Jets-Vikings, week seven, MetLife Stadium. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs>